So let's open our Bibles tonight to Proverbs chapter number 18. Proverbs chapter number 18. And uh, I found, I don't know why, I don't know if this is because I'm getting more wise or unwise, but I found a greater uh, repository and source of comfort and truth and guidance in the book of Proverbs, I think, uh, in, in these days of my life than probably I ever have before. I've always loved the book of Proverbs, but it seems like as you walk through this this short compilation of uh, of nuggets of of truth and precepts seems like every single one just contains a whole world of divine truth, practical observation, and heavenly wisdom. And uh, I want to take a few moments tonight, and and I just want us to look at one verse in Proverbs chapter number eighteen. It's the first verse of the chapter. Uh, we'll read it and have a word of prayer. And I want to preach to you tonight on the topic of seeking wisdom from the Lord. Proverbs chapter number 18, verse number 1 says, Through desire a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Let's read that once more. Through desire a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to be gathered here tonight. Lord, we don't take it for granted. Help us as we've come. We've made the effort to be here. Lord, we have, we've, uh, set aside the time. We've, we've fought traffic and fought the devil, uh, to get here. Uh, let us, Lord, not lose the blessing, uh, the last mile of the way, but help us to keep our focus and attention upon thy word and help us to keep our hearts and spirits and wills surrendered and open unto you. And we'll be sure to thank you for the work that we know and trust you'll do. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. This verse contains, I think, a fairly, on the face of it at least, simple instruction concerning wisdom. In fact, I think probably most people would maybe paraphrase this verse by simply saying, if a man wants wisdom, he'll seek after wisdom and he'll get wisdom. And yet, as we look at this short ensemble of words, I think we have three very basic, very elemental truths concerning gaining wisdom in our lives. I'll go ahead and tell you tonight, there's a lot of people who have no interest in wisdom. Uh, and uh, uh, what we call a man that has no interest in wisdom is a fool. Uh, you can turn on the TV and find foolish people. Uh, you, you can uh, turn on social media and, uh, and find foolish people. I'm not saying everybody on there is a fool, but I'm saying you'll find a lot of foolishness that takes place. You can look at politics right now and see a lot of foolishness uh, transpiring. Both sides of the aisle, a lot of foolishness taking place. And uh, I think that the sad truth is there are very few people seeking wisdom, uh, seeking God's wisdom, seeking scriptural wisdom in the world today. I believe even we could we could maybe expand that statement to say this. I think there's very few Christians seeking wisdom. I think when we're faced with a question, I think we'll analyze it to death. I think sometimes we will research it to death. And, and I'm not against analyzing. I'm not against research. I'm not against being well informed. But at the end of the day, there's only one way to know that we're doing the right thing, and that's to get the mind of God about it. And that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is something that comes not merely through education or instruction, but through illumination, through revelation, through God speaking to your heart, through His Word, and God giving you guidance about a particular thing. I need guidance from the Lord. I need Him to tell me what to do because I don't know what to do about a great many matters of life. Now, there are some things, of course, God has already spoken on, and I'm not dismissing that, but I'm saying there's all kinds of areas in my life where I have decisions I have to make, 
And I'll just be frank with you. I, I, if, if you ask me to give you chapter and verse about what to do, I don't know if I could find it. But I still need to know the mind of God about it. I still need the will of God about it. And I think there are a great many Christians today that aren't even seeking wisdom from the Lord. They'll ask their friends. They'll ask their family. And they'll ask society, see whatever the consensus view. And that's part of the reason that churches in general are in such a mess today is we've gone to the world for wisdom instead of going to the Word for wisdom. Uh, but, I, you know, I want to be the type of person that seeks God's mind and his heart and his wisdom. I, I know this, that if I can put my life in God's control, he'll make better out of it than I ever could. And when I'm faced with something I don't know what to do, I, the only thing that there is to do for a child of God is to seek the wisdom that comes from the Lord, that's from above. And so I want you to notice three simple thoughts from this passage tonight, and then we'll close, go to the house. First, I want you to notice the desire for wisdom. I would say this, that for most people, if you were trying to trim down uh, the certain portions of the Word of God, or if you were trying to separate things and, and be left only with what human reasoning would, would declare to be essential, uh, humanity and human intellect and human logic might suggest that those first four verse or first four words in that verse are redundant. But I believe God is giving them to us by holy inspiration and for the distinct reason to lay an emphasis on something that before we ever even get started in seeking wisdom that we have to settle uh, first and foremost. Uh, there's a great many people in the world today that don't even know what they want. That's part of the reason they bounce around life like a pinball. And you have to answer this very basic question first. Do you desire wisdom? Now that may seem on its face a silly question. Everybody would probably say, well, yes, preacher, I, I do desire wisdom. Well, what about when wisdom tells you to do something you don't want to do? What about when wisdom uh, gets all up in your life and all up in your business and tells you uh, something to do that is not what you would desire to do? Or uh, God puts his divine finger upon some area of your life that you're not ready to face and you're not ready to be honest about. You see, I think there's a lot of people that talk about wisdom that don't really want wisdom. What they really want is confirmation. They really want affirmation. They really want God to tell them that what they want to do is a good idea as opposed to finding out what it is God wants them to do. So you've got to begin from a place of desire. You've got to begin by saying, I do want the will of God above all else. I want to know what God thinks about this, even if it offends me, e even if it messes up my plans, <laughs> e e even, if, e even if it's a blow to my ego, even if it buffets my flesh. I want to know what God thinks about a given matter. There has to be a desire for wisdom. It says through desire. A man having separated himself through desire. I would say this, that this implies a couple things. One, that desire is fundamentally vital to this pursuit. In fact, I'd say this, that to some degree, uh, desire is fundamentally vital to every pursuit. Every pursuit in life begins first with desire. Before you ever do something, you generally have a want to to do something. Now, you might say, well, preacher, there's all kinds of things in my life that I do that I don't want to do. That's true. You may not desire the, the function of that activity, but you do desire the fruit of it. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, a man exercises because he desires to be fit. Uh, a man labors because he desires the fruit of that labor. A man studies because he desires knowledge. There are all sorts of areas of our life that not every step of it may be pleasant along the way. But if we want the outcome, if we want what comes at the end of it, 
Uh, you, uh, uh, most of you probably clocked into a, a time clock this week or, or clocked into a computer and went to work and you don't enjoy probably the menial tasks or, or whatever it is that your job, the substance of it is, is, is comprised of, but you did that because you wanted a paycheck at the end of it. Well, in the same respect, we have to desire what wisdom procures for us. We have to desire to know what God's will is because we believe God's will is worth knowing. The kind of people that don't seek for wisdom of God are people that are uh, conceited in their own hearts and their own minds and believe they know best about their life. Uh, listen, just because we believe we know best doesn't mean we do know best. If I let, if I let my boys plan out the, the, the uh, meal uh, plan for our family, man, it'd be a sight. We'd all be laid up at the hospital with tummy aches. It, it, it would all be gummy candy and it would all be chili cheese corn chips and that's all we'd ever eat. And they'd think they know what's best, but they don't necessarily know best. We have to be humble enough to acknowledge that we need God's wisdom. Desire is, is fundamentally vital, but you know, I would say this. Uh, it, it does not become fundamentally vital until desire is founded in value. What do you mean, preacher? Well, I would say this. The reason we do that work and the reason we desire that paycheck is because of what we can do with it. There is a value that we ascribe to it. In the same respect, until we respect wisdom, until we see it as something that can, can enrich our lives and can, uh, and can elevate our lives, something that can help us, we will not pursue after. We see this all the time. We, we've been for, for the past, I don't know, 20, 30 years, we've been trying to uh, topple regimes and set up democracies all over the world. And it's been basically a futile effort. With, with a few small exceptions, it's been pretty much a futile effort. We'll go in, we'll spend billions of dollars uh, toppling a regime and rebuilding everything we just bombed and, and helping people to have elections and to do those things. And then the moment that we turn around and walk out of that place, it, it devolves back into the same uh, warlords and, and, and terrorism that it's once been. Why has that been such a futile effort? Because, sad to say, most of the people in those areas do not value democracy. It's not what they want. It's not what they wanted in the first place. And even if we give it to them, they, they won't hang on to it because it's not something that they value. It's not something that they see the function in. They, they want freedom. They want liberty. But they don't see the value in democracy. They don't see that as a path to reach those things. Uh, you say, preacher, what does all that have to do with Proverbs 18? A, lot, a great many people talk about wisdom that don't really see value in wisdom. If they did, they'd pursue after wisdom. And a lot of people don't ever ask God's opinion because they just frankly don't believe that God is right about all things. We've got to value wisdom. Uh, it's interesting. You go through the book of Proverbs and, and a large portion of it is Solomon trying to get his son Rehoboam, who was a fool, by the way. Uh, maybe he would not have been that his whole life. He didn't live long enough to really find out. But the way he conducted himself when he ascends the throne is foolish. He played the part of a fool. And Solomon spent a great amount of time trying to get Rehoboam to see that wisdom, the wisdom of God, was what secured the king. It's what filled his coffers. It's what enlarged his borders. It's what made his kingdom thrive and made it great. Listen to what he says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Solomon says, happy is the man that findeth wisdom. You want to be happy in life? I do. I trust you do. 
I trust that there might be a few uh, a few twisted people in the world that just thrive in the misery they live in. But most of us, we desire to be happy. Wisdom is how you become happy. The man that getteth understanding for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things thou canst desire not to be compared unto her. In other words, wisdom is more valuable than your bank account. Now, that's not to suggest we don't have to have money to live. It's not to suggest we shouldn't work a job and survive. But it is to say that we ought to have our value system in a proper perspective. And Solomon, this is a man that had untold amounts of wealth. And he said, you know, at the end of the day, all of that wealth came by wisdom. Without wisdom, I wouldn't have had any of those things. And if I lost all those things tomorrow but retained my wisdom, I could gain them all back. It's more precious than rubies. And all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. You want to have a fulfilling life? Now, that's not to suggest that some of God's most choice servants haven't died what we would call prematurely. But Solomon in the book of Proverbs is giving general rules of life. And as a general rule, the way a man can enjoy a full life and a happy life and a lengthy life and a prosperous life is through the means of wisdom says in her left hand, riches and honor, her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retaineth her. I'm saying this. We've got to desire wisdom first and we won't desire it until we value it. We will not seek after wisdom, will not pursue after wisdom until we recognize that the key to having a happy life, the key to our children being happy, our grandchildren being happy, leaving something behind uh, that is, uh, that, that's full of honor and, 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 and full of heritage, the only way that will happen is if we seek God's wisdom. We've got to desire it, man. We've got to see that it's worthy, it's worthwhile, that it's worth more than the paychecks we work for. It's worth more than the houses we build or the cars that we drive or the clothes that we wear. It's worth more than the name that we might accrue to ourselves or the prominence or place or position that we might have. If we can get wisdom, all these other things will follow. We've got to desire it. So we see the desire for wisdom. Then notice the devotion to wisdom that we need. He says, through wisdom, or through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. A man having separated himself. You know, Solomon declares that we have to separate ourselves in order to obtain wisdom. There's a natural question that follows, right? Separate ourselves from what? Is he commending us to a life of of living like a hermit, of living like the, the monks in the convents did and do? I don't think so. Certainly Solomon didn't live his life that way. In fact, if Solomon had any problem, it wasn't that he didn't have enough company. It was that he had too much company. Amen. So he's not saying we separate ourselves from all people. He's not saying we separate ourselves from society. He's not saying we separate ourselves, for instance, from public worship or whatever it might be. I I know this ain't the way anybody here on a Wednesday night feels, uh, but there's people out there that think that the spiritual path uh, lies in some kind of uh, forced walk of spiritual solitude and forsaking the assembling of ourselves uh, together as the manner of some is. What is it that we need to separate ourselves from? Well, I think two things, basically, and I think there's scriptural authority here. Uh, the book of James says this, chapter 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. 
Listen carefully to this. This wisdom, what wisdom is he talking about? The wisdom that would suggest that we are self-serving and self-seeking, that we do whatever uh, is impulsive to us and moved by our passions. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. You know, I think the first thing we have to do in, in, in uh, our devotion to wisdom, in saying this is important enough to me that I'm willing to separate from some things, first thing is we need to separate from sensual wisdom. So, preacher, what is sensual wisdom? I'd define it as a couple of things. One, uh, following your gut instead of following God. How many times do you hear people say this? Man, I drive up and down the road and see it on church signs. People say, follow your heart. Follow your heart. I, and I know that sounds good, and it sounded good on the Hallmark Channel when they, when they saw some flannel-clad construction worker heart throb say it. But uh, listen, at the end of the day, it's unscriptural. Jeremiah said the heart's dead. Some of y'all laughing because you've seen it. I, I ain't even like, I ain't even got anyone in mind, but some of y'all got someone in mind when I said that. <laughs> Jeremiah said the heart's desperately wicked. It's deceitful above all things. The Old Testament tells us of a time when every man did that which was right in his own eyes and society devolved into chaos. Solomon himself says it. In fact, he says he believes it so much he says it twice. And, and let me say the Holy Ghost believed it so much that he had Solomon say it twice. But there's a way that seemeth right. Seemeth right. Seemeth right. Not a way that a man knows is wrong, but he does it anyway. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the ends thereof are the ways of death. Uh, we need to get away from this thing of, well, follow our gut, follow our heart, follow society's leaning, society's guidance. We need to get away from sensual wisdom. There's a difference between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, between sensual wisdom and spiritual wisdom, between devilish wisdom and divine wisdom. And the sooner we recognize the difference, the sooner we recognize that the world has an economy of wisdom, the world has a way of thinking, the world has, has ways of counsel and advice, that all of the world will sit around and will affirm and will recommend and if you go down that path, you'll have a whole audience of people on in society and social media and, and Hollywood that will clap for you and will say, you're doing the right thing. And yet it's still wrong. Still wrong. Let me tell you something. It's not consensus that reveals what wisdom is. It's God that reveals what wisdom is. It's not society. It's Scripture. That dictates. It's not our gut. It's God that reveals to us what the right direction is. And we have to get it clear and, 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 and established in our hearts that at the end of the day, what we need is not our own wisdom. We need God's wisdom. Hey, listen, we're, we're, we're to lean not unto our own understanding. That's what Solomon said in Proverbs 3. Five, lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. A lot of us go through life just leaning unto our own understanding. Whatever makes sense for us at the time, whatever we feel like doing at the time, that's what we do. And we make shipwreck of our lives. We need to separate from sensual wisdom. Not only that, I would say this, we need to separate from temporal worship. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, we must make the pursuit of wisdom the great work of our life. That doesn't mean that there are no other interests in life. 
but rather that no other interest should eclipse our pursuit of biblical wisdom. Listen to what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. He says, wisdom is the principal thing. Now, what does that mean? The principal thing means it is the main thing above all other. It's the main thing when you're paying on your loan. You've got principal. You've got interest, right? You can pay interest until the day you die and never even touch that principal. But when you're paying principal, you're getting to the main thing to what you really owe. Wisdom's the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. In other words, if we'll pursue wisdom above wealth, we'll wind up, if it's the will of God, with wealth in the end. Now again, I'm not saying, I'm not up here preaching, I ain't healthy enough or wealthy enough to preach health and wealth preaching. Amen. But But I'm saying that, well, let me let God say it. Christ said it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and, here's this biblical word, mammon. What is mammon? Mammon is all things temporal, tangible, earthly. God's not saying that we don't have to live in this world, but He's saying that we cannot let this world rule and govern over us. He says in verse 25, the very next verse, Therefore, in light of that fact, in light of the fact that we can't serve God and serve money, we can't serve God and serve the flesh, we can't serve God and serve that which is temporal, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. I'm not going to take the time to give a full exposition of it. God's not saying it's wrong to have clothes to wear. Christ had clothes to wear. God's not saying it's wrong to have food to eat. Christ had food to eat. God's not saying it's wrong to have something, uh, you know, that, that to drink, at least something that's not ungodly, uh, because Christ drank water and drank grape juice. So uh, he's not saying those things are wrong. He's, he didn't say the life is not those things. He said the life is more than those things. Not that those aren't some small part of our life. But those shouldn't be the substance of it. And he says in verse 32, After all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. So we need to separate ourselves from the rat race of seeing our life as vested in uh, the numbers in our bank account or the vehicle we drive or the clothes that we wear or the house that we live in or, 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 or the reputation that we build for ourselves. Not that those are not elements of our life, but they should not be the governing thing in our lives. We can have all those things and still have nothing. Wisdom is the principal thing. So we need to separate ourselves from an obsession with that. And then finally, and I'm done, I want you to notice the discovering of wisdom. Through desire, a man, having separated himself, does what? What's the next step? First, you've got to desire wisdom. Then you've got to be devoted to wisdom in such a way that you'll turn away from uh, your, your sensual wisdom or, or temporal earthly worship, financial obsession. You'll turn away and you'll say, yes, I do need God's mind. I do need His wisdom. And then we see the discovering of wisdom. What does He do? He seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Notice first the path that's recommended here. Seeketh. In other words, wisdom ain't going to fall in your lap. You've got to go looking for it. 
James said it this way in James chapter number one. Uh, he said, if any of you lack wisdom, that's me. <laughs> he was talking about me. <laughs> if any of you lack wisdom, that's me. What does he do? Does he complain about it? Does he don't preach my sermon, Linda? Does he complain about it? Does he write to, to, to dear Abby about it? Does he, does he turn on Paul Harvey to find out? Does he get on social media and take a poll? What does he do? Let him ask of God. Let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. You know, for a long time I wondered what that meant. But here's what I think it means. When you ask of God, ask believing God's going to reveal his will to you and be ready to hear it. Nothing wavering. In other words, don't say, God, I want your mind on it. And then when God reveals it, so, well, well, I didn't know you was going to say that. Never mind now. Never mind now. It says for that, he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed, pushed by external elements instead of driven by that wind of the Holy Spirit that's within us. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. In other words, wisdom is only meaningful when it's applied. Don't, 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 when you ask, ask in faith, believing God's going to reveal His will to you. And when He reveals it, don't waver. Say, okay, Lord, that's, you've told me that's your will, that's your wisdom. How do we get wisdom? We seek for it. We seek for it through prayer. We seek through it, for it through the study of God's Word. We seek for it through the, through the diligent listening to the preaching of the Word of God, placing ourselves consistently under the truth of the Word of God as it is expounded. Listen to what Matthew chapter 7 says. Ask, verse 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Now, you know the force of this phrase is not found in verse 7. The, the foundation of it is given there. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto That's the foundation. The force is in verse 8. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh shall it be open. In other words, if you don't seek, you ain't going to find. If you don't ask, you're not going to receive. If you don't knock, it's not going to be open. You've got to seek God's mind and God's wisdom. There's a lot of us that are complaining about needing the mind of God. And God's just waiting for us to seek Him about it. He wants to reveal it. He wants to declare. You know, with my little boy, and I'm not going to get into a big illustration here, but suffice it to say, uh, my little, the only person that could ever want my boy uh, to do what I wish more than him would be me. I always want him to do what I wish. Last thing I said to him before I left the house, he, he had been, uh, he, he, man, he loves Legos. And, uh, and, and if you've ever grown up with a house of kids with Legos, man, I don't fear anybody breaking into my house. They could, if he's been playing with Legos, they couldn't get to me. They'd have to travel through those Legos first. And uh, But I had told him, I said, I want you to pick all these up. And, and I made a mistake. I left him in there without monitoring, without supervising. And uh, so like two hours later, I go in there. And they've been moved a little bit while he's played with them. But that's about it. I said to him right before I left, I said, what am I going to have to do to get you to obey me? I said, I want you to obey me. I want you to do what I ask of you. Listen, nobody wants him to obey me more than me nobody wants him to do my will more than i want him to do my will so i try to do everything i can to make my will clear to him clear to him I'm saying this we've got to seek we've got to seek we see the path recommended but then notice the persistence required man i love this he said seeketh 
and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Now, some of y'all listen. I, the, I, we need to have, we need to start having a Baptist Olympics. And we'd have, we'd have, we'd have games in fried chicken eating. We'd have games in nodding off during church. Uh, we, we'd have games in watching your watch, uh, when it's after 12 o'clock on a Sunday. We, man, and, and some of y'all would take home gold medals. And one of those would be a great, I mean, I'm talking about a great Baptist Olympic game would be in the matter of intermeddling. I mean, some of us, they'd scout us. They'd be looking for us. We'd have people showing up at, at church service. What does it mean to intermeddle? Us Baptists are good at that. Uh, can I give you the, the, the Toby Weber dictionary uh, explanation to stick your nose in something? It's what it means to intermeddle, right? Put your nose in it. Y'all all right? We're only 28 minutes and 28 seconds into it. It means put your nose in the middle of something. It's interesting. Solomon uses this word a couple times in uh, Proverbs 17. By the way, these are only three times that this word is used in your Bible. In Proverbs 17, 14, it says, The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. Therefore, leave off contention before it be meddled with. Proverbs 23 says it this way, It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. And then the only other time is here in Proverbs 18, 1, where he says, a man seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. For someone to meddle means they just don't know how to leave well enough alone. It means to stir something up. To obstinately strive with something. It means to, to put your nose in the middle of it and not let it go. Not drop it. But just persistently stir that thing and pursue that thing. Solomon says, that's how we need to be about wisdom. That's how we need to be about wisdom. In other words, the, the way that some folks are about gossip is how we ought to be about wisdom. <laughs> there are some folks, listen, they ain't got no interest. I'm not talking about church folks, but I'm preachers. Preachers are the worst gossips in the world. If you ever hang out around any of them, I'm preachers are the worst gossips in the world. I got preacher friends don't care nothing uh, to ever hear from me unless they think I've got a juicy one. Then all of a sudden, man, they're blowing me up on Facebook. Hey, preacher, how's your ministry going? They think I might have something to tell them. And... uh uh, you know, they, they just, uh, it piques their interest. It, it, it arrests their attention. It grabs hold of their, uh, of their schedule and their time. And man, they're in until that thing is done with. That's how we ought to be with wisdom. We ought to be persistent in wisdom. We ought to be passionate in wisdom. A person is intermeddling when they simply won't leave a matter alone. Solomon says that we shouldn't leave wisdom alone. We should pursue it relentlessly to the point of obstinacy. We should grab hold of wisdom and refuse to let it go. We should make this matter of finding out the mind of God the obsession of our life until we get an answer. We should say, Lord, until you tell me to stop, I'm going to keep praying about it. Until you tell me to hush, I'm going to keep seeking you about it until you give me an answer. I'm going to keep perusing and, and studying and exploring your word until I get your mind. Because if I don't have your mind, God, if I don't have your wisdom, I don't have anything because wisdom is the principal thing. Solomon gave this advice in Proverbs 2, and I'm done tonight, verse 1. He says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, 
Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Solomon says, if we're going to discover wisdom, we've got to seek God. And sometimes we've got to seek him persistently. Sometimes we've got to, we've got to make the wisdom of God our business. And we've got to make it our interest and our passion and our obsession until we find out what God's will and God's mind is about it. I hope you're seeking wisdom in your life. If you're not, why don't you make tonight the night you begin? Some of you may have certain areas of your life that you're asking for the mind of God about. Why don't you take tonight as an opportunity to say, Lord, I, I, I'm going to seek after your mind, your heart, your will about this matter. Let's bow together as a musician comes to play. The altar's open, and I want to give you an opportunity to come. If God spoke to your heart, you ought to always have an opportunity to come and to deal with Him. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd bless this invitation. I pray that your people get help tonight, and I pray that they would, Lord, make up their mind. If there's some area, some matter of their life, they need your wisdom, they need your will, I pray that they would make tonight a beginning point, a landmark moment where they would say, I'm going to grab hold of this thing of wisdom and the will of God, and I'm not going to let go until I know what God wants out of me. Lord, we ask it in Christ's name with our heads.